Welcome to the Poet Delayed Podcast. My name is Scott Edgar. I'm the host. Um, this is episode 25. There seems to be some sort of a, it feels like that should be a milestone for me, 25. Um, anyhow, it's been a while since I published a new episode. It's, I think, the beginning of May was the last one, so it's been a few months. Uh, part of the reason for that is that I've been out of town, just going on road trips to Moab, Escalante, and just just exploring. Went to California last week with my kids, took them to a San Francisco Giants game. That was uh, one of my uh, favorite trips of my life, actually. I had a really good time. Um, and uh, anyway, so it's been a while, and I, you know, another reason for that is I've, I have this idea, this concept for this episode that I want to record, and I just feel like it has to be perfect before I record it, and so I've been putting it off. I've actually been working on it since last November, and I just and I just haven't pulled the trigger on it yet, and I think it's something that I just need to record, so I don't know, maybe I'll do that here, but I just, there's been something that's been on my mind these last few weeks. Um, hasn't been overwhelming to me. It's just been on my mind, and it's it's really something that is on my mind always, but recently it's just really come to the forefront. In fact, it's it's something that I that I think a lot of people struggle with or maybe struggles the wrong word, but a lot of people um, are confronted with and whether they're in uh, recovery of any you know, recovering from anything, whether they're uh, whether whether they know it. I mean I think I think it's this issue that I want to talk about today I think is a universal um, to, to one degree or another. But, um, so I, I, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to sit down and record it and I'm just going to do it and I'm not going to wait for it to be perfect. I'm just going to hit record. I, I guess the other thing that's inspired me is I've been watching this, uh, show on Hulu called only murders in the building with Steve Martin and Martin Short and Selena Gomez. And, uh, first of all, I never thought I'd say Martin Short, Steve Martin, and, Selena Gomez in the same sentence, but there you go. Um, but it's, it's such a good show and it's, um, I mean, podcast, they're creating a podcast. So if, if any of you have watched it and I know that, well, um, I know that one person listening or who has listened to prior podcasts has, uh, referred it to me. So I know she's listened to it, but if you haven't watched this or watched, if you haven't watched that show, it's, it's worth it's worth the time. It's interesting. It's it's funny. I've got Steve Martin, Martin Short, so of course it's going to be good in that sense. Uh, very creative, though. Anyway, getting off track here. Um, so what I wanted to talk about today, kind of the poem that I want to read today, is actually one that I have read on a prior podcast episode. I read it last November with my nephew Justino. Um, if if you're interested and you haven't listened to that. I would recommend going back and listening to that. The, the episode is Terrible Potential. It was in November sometime. I don't remember what number the episode was. But anyway, Ustino had some amazing insights. Uh, I was really impressed. Um, you know, it's always surprising. I've mentioned this before, but it's always surprising to me how I would write a poem 
and I'll talk to somebody about it and they will have just these amazing insights that I, that were, are new to me. I had no idea that that was in there, but they are inspired in, in a way, or they have a different take than I had. And I don't know, it's always interesting to me. And, I, and that's, I've mentioned this before. That's one thing I love about poetry. Um, and, I, and I guess really art in general, uh, there's, you know, pe- people can get different inspirations out of a single piece of art, whether it be poetry, literature, um, the visual arts, whatever. Anyway, again, another tangent. But anyway, if you haven't listened to that, I, I recommend going and giving it a listen. Um, it was We had a great, great conversation, he and I. Um, anyway, so today I wanted to start out with that, uh, that poem. I wanted to uh, just go back to it. Um, again, it's called Terrible Potential. <clears throat> I see it now. For years, I only sensed it or saw the dissipating dust tails of its approach, but it filled me with terror, and there was no cover or protection, so I ran as fast as my child's stride could take me, not even knowing what it was, only that it was coming. But that made the fear so much more in my little mind, so I ran harder until I forgot why I was running, only knowing that I couldn't stop. But I see it now. Its shape is fluid and undefined, and its terrible potential fills my mind. I want to keep running, retreating, but it won't stop, and it's closing the gap, and it's more terrible than I ever thought. But it's real, I see it now, and I know there's no escape. There never was. But I want to keep running anyway, until it overtakes me. I won't see it coming, it will just happen and be done. But my insufficient legs refuse to carry me anymore, so I prostrate myself as an offering. I know you're coming, I whisper, and I offer myself willingly. This is not defeat, I reassure myself, then lower my eyes and brace for its fury. But my mind keeps moving defiantly. It knows truths that my body forgot and reminds me. You were born with claws, and they're with you still. And I remember and feel them. They are deep, but I feel them and they are there. So I raise my body from the dirt and my eyes to the distance. It is closer now, the gap disappearing, but not my fear. My my fear is growing, broadcast loudly by my beating heart. But I no longer want to run, nor offer myself willingly. Instead, I watch it come, and I wait. In fear, true, but I wait to receive it, and I steady myself. I have claws, and I feel them, and I will meet it face to face. I have terrible potential, too. I feel it now. This poem, I go back to quite a bit, actually, in my life. It it puts things in perspective for me. It's interesting because when I wrote it, I didn't realize how how important it was for me. I just had this concept. I, I was having a hard day and I just had this thought of running from troubles and running and running and, and just not really knowing what I'm running from, just that I have this compulsion to run away from something 
And so I just wrote, 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 and it didn't take me very long to write it. I don't think I've made many edits to it. Um, but as I go back and I reread it, it puts things in perspective. It puts what I'm trying to do in my life in perspective and what's going on. And, and I see kind of my, I, I see my life in it, frankly. Um, I have, for as far back as I can remember, been running, been trying to avoid, uh, I don't know, just for troubles, been trying to avoid um, anything that is stressful, been trying to avoid anything, any chaos, any any pain. Uh, I know, and, and, and I, and by the way, I may say things that I've said on prior episodes and uh, forgive me if I do that, but uh, again, this poem kind of weaves its way through every episode I make of this podcast. It weaves its way through every conversation that I have, I, the concept in this poem, I should say, because it's, in, in, you know, I'm finding that this is really at the heart of my recovery. It's at the heart of um, my growth. And as I mentioned, it's it's really, I think, universal. This concept, to one degree or another, it applies to well, applies to everybody I've talked to about these issues. And and I, I guess to sum it up would be, you know, this this. Um, I think Jung would probably call it individuation, um, this authenticity, this this um, integrity, this becoming who we are, who you are, who I am, like, and, and not abdicating my sovereignty to anybody, um, or just running from fear. So I, I, so I'm going to, I guess, get back to my point, I think there's going to, I may repeat things that I've said in the past, but I, I guess that's a, uh, <laughs> that, that is, um, I've already done that. I, I think that I revisit things because, they are, I revisit things a lot in this podcast because I don't think it's, there's a lot of moving parts. I really don't think in recovery, I don't think that there are a lot of moving parts. There may be iterations, um, but I think at the heart of, at the heart of recovery is um, coming into ourselves, reclaiming ourselves. And um, refusing to give it over or abdicate it to another person or group or party or whatever. I've been reading this uh, book by Rilke, um, Letters to a Young Poet. Um, let me grab it here because he had a little quote in here I marked a few days ago. Where is it? Oh, so if those of you who aren't familiar with letters to a young poet, um, there is a young poet. <laughs> he uh, he wrote to Rilke around, oh, I think nineteen oh one, nineteen oh two. He he wrote him a letter, and this is one about the time that Rilke was starting to really get some recognition. And he just asked him, you know, about how to become a good poet, and he wanted Rilke to review some of his poetry, which Rilke said, I'm not going to do that because, you know, just don't in his, 
to paraphrase, it says don't don't pay attention to criticisms of other you know with with regard to art. Don't listen to criticisms of other people. Don't don't pay attention to that um, because it's really just that other person's opinion. But anyhow, so he wrote. So they that began a correspondence between the two, and then a few year, a few years after Rilke passed away, um, this oh, I forget what his name is. Anyway, he he wrote a letter, and uh, uh, well, he refers to my dear Mister Capus. So there you go. That's the name. I don't have it off the top. His full name. Oh wait, there it is. Nope, that's not it. Anyway, I'll, let me just read this quote here. This passage. Uh, this is in a letter that Rilke wrote to him. He said, "Think, dear sir, of the world that you carry inside you, and call this thinking whatever you want to, a remembering of your own childhood or a yearning toward a future." of your own. And this is the part that really struck me. He says, only be attentive to what is arising within you and place that above everything you perceive around you. What is happening in your innermost self is worthy of your entire love. And so my understanding as I've been going through this process these last few years, the key to recovery, the key to um, really, the, I guess, just the re- key, the key to recovery is reclaiming myself, uh, reclaiming who I am, and understanding that I get to decide. You know what is important to me in my life. I get to determine what my values are. Um, I I get to to do all that. And I had lost that in my life as far back as I can remember. Uh, it, my, the way I lived my life was to, um, take the temperature of the room or who I was with and to determine how I would respond or how I would act. I, I felt like I was a chameleon. And, and frankly, I considered that some sort of a, a virtue or, I mean, it certainly was, um, a way to survive and it it certainly can come in handy in in situations that I just need to survive but it's not a way of life and but that was my way of life and I I just kind of went along to get along I guess is the way I've I've heard it phrased at times and the problem with that is I lost connection with myself I lost connection with who I was, what was important to me and my value, my worth, my, um, who I was, was dependent on external things. Um, it was dependent on, on people's opinion of me and it's hard to break out of that. And I know it's not, I know that this situation is not unique to me. And I know that that's something that probably everybody struggles with to some degree or another. I don't know that anybody's truly free of that. I mean, we're, we're humans. We're, we are subject to, uh, you know, we have emotions and people's opinions can impact us. So I, I'm sure there's people who are much better at blowing that off. Um, and maybe there are people who are free of it. I don't know. But this poem really brings all of that in focus to me because 
it really is my life. I was running for most of my, for well up until the last probably three or four years. And I didn't even understand what I was doing because I thought that I look back now and I see that what I was doing was running, was abdicating my sovereignty, abdicating my peace, abdicating my ability to achieve peace, putting it at the feet of other people. Um, you know, whether it be with religion or relationships, I was allowing, not allowing, it was, it's more power, it's stronger than that. I wasn't just allowing, I was um, giving that responsibility to other people. And I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that at all. In fact, I thought that what I was doing was positive. I thought that it was a virtuous way to live life, especially with regards to religion. I thought, just tell me what to do and I will do it. And I'm not going to question whether or not that's in alignment with who I am. I'm just going to do it. And that caused a lot of problems because I was, um, I was kicking against the pricks, not as, <laughs> not in the sense that I think it was Paul, maybe I'm mistaken on that, but not in that sense. I, it was almost the opposite of that. I was kicking against the pricks. I was, I was fighting against myself. I was trying to shut myself up and that does damage. And so, but really at the heart of it is I was running from fear. I was running from, um, responsibilities. I was running. I, I wanted to just be told what to do and do it. I wanted to be, and I wouldn't have defined it that way. I mean, I, 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 I didn't, I never would have defined it that way, but looking back, that's, that's, that's what I was struggling with. Um, and that's in this poem, the running, um, that was the running. I was, I was afraid I had this fear and, and, it, and I think, you know, I, I, a lot of things are going through my mind right now. I've, I've used this analogy of my life as on a raft. Uh, I, I know that I've used that multiple times here and, and I, I do, I use that because it's so, uh, it, it, it explains so well how it felt in my life. Um, I was on this raft, you know, I, and in this, you know, water as far as you can, I could see in every direction. And I was on a little raft, not even big enough to stretch out on. That's in my mind what I, how I always envision it in my mind is this raft, gray, a gray raft with a bunch of um, just branches lashed together. And I'm just floating, curled up because I can't stretch out floating on this body of water, ocean, water as far as you can see in every direction. And I'm not dying. I'm not, you know, I'm not at risk of sinking or dying. And that is sufficient for me. It's no way to live. It's no life. Uh, there's no progress. There's no, there's no joy really. Um, because I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything, but I'm also not 
dying. I'm not drowning. And that was sufficient for me. But again, I never understood that that was my um, situation. I never, I never it understood that that's what I was dealing with. Um, there was enough. There were enough little distractions that you know I created this world on this little raft, and there's enough little distractions that I thought that was the world. But you know, I I was told that you know beyond the horizon, there's a land that you can live a life that you can't even imagine here. But you have to get off the raft, and you have to swim through the waters over the horizon to something that you can't see, that you don't know for sure 100% that is there. And that was scary. So I, you know, I, I think that I got off the raft on occasion. I, I can look back at my life and see times that I did get off the raft and started to swim to the horizon, but I would always, wouldn't make it far. And I would hurry back and climb back on the raft because it was too scary. I was afraid to risk, and and that really, that was my life. And again, I didn't wouldn't have defined it that way at the time. I found ways to to uh, frame it as, you know, virtuous. Like I'm I'm just sacrificing my wants and needs for other people. But what I was doing was I wasn't wanting to risk. I wasn't wanting to, um, it was scary to risk. And so that's in this poem. I was, I I even say in the poem here that, you know, I get to the point where I can't run anymore. I'm scared. And I think that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm not running anymore. And there was a point where I just wanted it all to be done, not in a, not in a suicidal way, but just somehow, I don't even know how it would have been done, but I just wanted to check out, um, you know, there's other ways to abandon your life than suicide. I I understand that. Um, but I, you know, I, I fortunately have good support, good family, siblings, aunts and uncles, friends, amazing friends, good therapist. So I, I, I'm fortunate to have a good support and I've been grateful for that. I, but, but I just, you know, you know, there's this memory I have from when I was a kid and it's, and it's interesting to me, these, the memories that I have, I mean, there's, I forgot so many things, but then there's these little memories that are burned into my mind that I look back now and I think, oh, that's such a good, um, such a good analogy, metaphor, whatever for, for what I've been going through. I remember when I was, as a little kid, we lived in uh, Ramstein Air Force Base in Germany and we lived in this apartment complex. And in the basement, there was a hallway that extended the whole length of the basement. And there were storage rooms down there for all of the residents of the apartment building that are just along this long hallway. And the doorways in these um, storage rooms, the doorway, there was a kind of a, it must have been a deep doorway, uh, deep enough for me to hide in. We were playing hide-and-go-seek, and I ran down into the basement, and I ran over to the very end, and I tucked myself as tight as I could against the door in the doorway, and it was dark down there. And... 
you know, if you came down and looked in the hallway, you wouldn't be able to see me because, well, the darkness and also the depth of the doorway. So I was hiding there. And I could hear the footsteps come down the stairs. And I could hear the footsteps start walking a little bit in my direction. And there I was. And the anxiety was overwhelming. I still can remember just this fear of them coming up and finding me. So rather than rather than holding still and letting them come and find me, my decision was to jump out and just give myself up because of the intense... I mean, it was a lot of anxiety. I just remember being overwhelmed, kind of like in a scary movie, almost like a jump scene in a scary movie. That's how it felt. And so I, but I could not maintain my composure and just stay there. And so I jumped out. And as I jumped out, I, the person who was coming to find me had already turned around and they were walking away to go back up. And had I just sat there, had I just sat there, um, they would have, uh, gone away and I would not have been found out, but I, instead I gave myself up and I was it or whatever we were doing. I don't know. But anyway, I was found out because I gave myself up. And I, th- I think about that a lot because um, I was scared. And I didn't have the courage enough to just hold my own and, and, and to translate that over into you know what I'm talking about now. Growing up, I, I didn't have confidence in myself. And rather than try to, well, not just growing up, I mean, through much of my life, I didn't have confidence in myself or in my abilities or in, in what I was able to do. And so rather than, rather than maintain that, or rather than risk and, and push forward, I would just give myself up. And I wouldn't try. I wouldn't put any effort into things. I would um, just do enough to get by. That's that's how I would say it. I would do enough to get by. Uh, I, I remember I had friends who would talk about their futures and their plan, their future. Like, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And I remember one time just thinking, you know, that's a pretty novel idea. Novel idea. Why don't I plan for my future? And... You know, because I never did. I, I I literally lived day to day. I would wake up in the morning and just kind of get by. And I didn't, again, I didn't see it that way. I didn't see it that way. Um, and, but that's what I was doing. I was just getting by. And when I would try to plan, I'd write out these plans and, and, then, and then they would always fall through. Um, there's a lot going on there. But anyway, so... I read this poem and, and that's, I've been, I, I have, you know, figuratively speaking, I've been running my whole life, avoiding myself, avoiding risking things. I've been, I've been very afraid to risk. Um, and you know, you, I, I think Well, I got to a point where I didn't want to do that anymore. And 
I, I got to a point in my life where I thought, okay, I'm going to be 80, 90 years old. I'm going to look back on my life and I'm going to see it as a life wasted. Like I never came into myself. I never lived a life that was in alignment with myself. And that thought terrified me. I'd wake up with that thought in my mind. And so I started to make changes and, and, um, and, you know, when I started to learn who I was and, and set boundaries in my life. And one thing I know about boundaries, one thing I've learned and I'm learning about setting boundaries in my life, you know, is if you set them right and you are able to adhere to them, then things start changing in your life. And it's not always easy at first. Um, when you set boundaries with other people, then you don't have to make decisions with, is this relationship going to stay or stick? Is this relationship going to fall apart? Is this relationship going to go away from me? If you set your boundaries properly, then what I've found, and, and let me, let me pause for a second. Like, so my understanding of boundaries and how I've applied them is boundaries are a reflection of your truth, my truth about me. Um, and it took me a while to understand what, boundaries were and, and, and what, how to apply them. And, and what I eventually came down to was uh, very basic boundaries that, that focused around the fact that I deserve respect, just like everybody else deserves respect. I deserve, um, respect. I deserve these, these basic, <laughs> basic, um, decency towards me, just like other people deserve and I, I boiled it down very basically to that. And I start, I set that boundary and I started setting it with everybody. And it's not always easy to hold those boundaries, especially when your whole life has been um, just, just um, acting in ways to avoid chaos, acting in ways to avoid... Um, problem situations and abandoning myself over and over again uh, for the sake of keeping the peace, which never keeps the peace, and it and it it's never uh, it's never really a selfless. Uh, I used to think of it as a well, I didn't think of it as abandoning myself, and I certainly didn't think of it as um, selfish, but I see now that it. It, it was, uh, in a sense, selfish, and it was abandoning myself. It was, it was so that I could avoid the stress of confrontation. But when I started applying those boundaries, it's hard, it was hard to keep them because my whole life had been, um, like I said, my whole life had been just abandoning myself and avoiding conflict and chaos. And when you set boundaries, um, boundaries my experience has been that boundaries are, they, they kind of amplify the chaos initially. Um, but what they also do, and the important thing that I learned was that they, 
when you set your boundaries properly, there are certain decisions that, that you don't necessarily need, need to make that are scary to make that you don't necessarily need to make. Setting your boundaries makes those decisions for you, especially with regard to relationships with other people. Um, when, like, for instance, I set my boundary about, you know, I deserve to be respected. I deserve to, to be, uh, um, or I'm not going to chase other people in, in any form or type of relationship. I'm not chasing people anymore. Uh, whereas they are, yes, they're hard to keep when I do keep them. What I found was that people who are good for me, people who, who do respect me, those people are let in because the bound and, and people who, who are, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find a, a, a way to say, I, I, I trying to be respectful about this because I'm, I'm also understanding that we're all at different places in life. And just because somebody, my boundaries prevent other people, prevent certain people coming into my circle doesn't mean that they're bad people, doesn't mean that they are um, not good people. And so, so I, I guess the way to say this is that setting up boundaries draws people who are in alignment with me or with you to you or with me, I'll say, it, I'll, I'll personalize it. Setting my boundaries allowed people who are in alignment with me to just naturally be drawn to me. And when I held my boundaries, then those people who were not in alignment with me were turned away. And it's hard. It's not easy. It's heartbreaking. Sometimes it hurts to have people exit your life. But when your boundaries are based on your personal truths, who you are, I mean, and, and not and their general truths, really, I, I think at the core, like I deserve, everybody deserves respect. That should be a boundary that everybody has and holds in their lives, that they deserve respect. And people who do not show them respect are turned away. That should be a, a basic um, boundary for everybody. And but so, so as I set those boundaries, um, things started to break, uh, and it's hard and it hurts, but it is, uh, a necessary part of recovery, uh, being surrounded by people who honor your boundaries. And, and, and I think it usually is people who maybe you don't even express your boundaries. I mean, those people don't even, they, they just come to you because they, they are in alignment with who you are and they respect you and they show you respect. And I'm going to be honest here. I, I feel like I went off on a tangent on boundaries. And so I, I might've lost my, my point of thinking, but I think boundaries are so important to, to this. And, um, And so, so going back to this poem, I, well, going back to my childhood, I had no boundaries. I had no boundaries. I was, I was whatever people, whatever I felt people needed me to be. I was whatever I felt would avoid stress. And this is with people, with school, with work, anything. I avoided hard things. 
Um, I, I avoided difficult things, stressful things, because I just would get overwhelmed. And, you know, I'm starting to understand where that overwhelm came from. Um, you know, it's a coping mechanism. Um, I, I've learned a lot that I'm not going to go into here. But basically speaking, I started to understand that the importance, the, the, the key for my recovery was to live in alignment with myself and to know who I am and to find out who I am and then to set the boundaries accordingly. And that's reflected in this poem when my, I just wanted to give up. My legs wouldn't go anymore. I couldn't handle it anymore. Um, and I just wanted to give up and I still, I still struggle with that. I'm, I still struggle with that. Uh, the reason I was thinking about this the other day is because I was having like a, you know, I don't know, it seemed like weeks where I was waking up with this pit in my stomach. And, you know, I wrote down in a, a notebook that I carry. Let me read some of this here, actually. Um, well, here's like when I, when I, well, here's how I, I feel. This is the pit in my stomach. It says, uh, when I feel depressed, I want to go small. And I just use the word depressed in general term. I mean, there's, uh, I want to go small. I hope to keep going. Oh boy, I'm getting old. So I, my eyes are shot and I also can't read my handwriting. I hope to keep going enough to at least stumble across the finish line. I feel dependent on everything and everyone. I have no desire. I'm afraid. I want to give myself up. I don't want affection from anyone. I just want to crawl into a hole and cover myself up. I feel overwhelmed with the future. I feel done for. I lack confidence. I view myself through the lens of society. I am weighed down by all the things I have no control over to the point where I freeze and am unable to work on any of the things I do have control over. I just want to give up. So those are some things I wrote down in this journal. Like when I was, I was trying to analyze, okay, what, where, what's the, what am I feeling? What's the, what, what am I struggling with? Where's this coming from? And, um, and those feelings usually come in the morning and I, I get terrified of the future and I get terrified of, um, and, and here's what I've, I've understood is that all that fear that I have, all the fear, the things that I just read, all that is based on stuff. Number one, that I have no control over. And number two, that are all based in the future, like fear of the future. Like I, and so it's not even reality. There are, their future may be potentials or possibilities, but there's not, there's no, nothing threatening me now. And that's one, one area that I've been really trying to focus on my, my, in my life is, is to focus on the here and now, like when I start to get overwhelmed, to pause and to breathe and to, uh, stay in the now I I wrote I think I've read this before let me see if I can find it real quickly I last December I was I was I thought I need to 
I need to like develop something that I can read to myself in the morning. Cause what I found is that when I start to get overwhelmed, it will, it can get to a point where, you know, it's just, I go over a cliff and then it's just too hard to work my way out. And I just have to wait for whatever stress or fear or whatever to burn off or to sleep or, or whatever. And so I thought, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be there anymore. I, I want to be able to control where I'm at and what's going on in my life. And so I wrote this thing. Uh, I've read it before on the podcast. Uh, let me see if I can find it real quickly. And I call it start of the day. And the idea was for me to read it in the mornings. I got to the point where I, I, I had memorized it pretty much. And so I didn't read it in the morning. And now my phone's freezing up. And, and so, um, I would just tell it to myself, but I recognized that, no, it's something that I need to read to myself each morning. So let me find it real quickly here because it's been, it's been really helpful for me. Okay. Uh, it says, it's morning, the start of the day. You may run into hard or painful things today, including fear, and they may come at you from inside or outside of yourself. Remember to pause and to breathe. Remember to be gentle and patient with yourself. Remember that you have people that love you and will support you. Remember to reach out to those people when needed. Remember that you can't change everything, but there are things you can change. Remember that you need to work to change the things you can change and that you are able. Remember that those hard and painful things, including fear, will pass. Remember that you will be okay. Um, the, the point of this, you know, for me reading this is, is to first and foremost to remember to pause when I start to get overwhelmed. Whatever I'm doing, just pause and breathe and get myself in the moment and to be patient with myself. Uh, I have this, <clears throat> or I had, I'm getting a lot better at it, but I had this tendency of negative self-talk. Uh, and I would, if I, when I started to get overwhelmed, I would just, I mean, it was just automatic. It wasn't anything that I consciously did. It was automatic where I would just, um, I mean, I said some pretty harsh things to myself, uh, just about how, you know, I'm an idiot. I'm, and I would just say it over and over and it was had this numbing effect on me to the point where, uh, eventually I just would not care anymore because uh, I was, I just would talk myself over the cliff, not off the cliff, um, over the cliff and I wouldn't care anymore. It just had this numbing effect on me, but so to be gentle and patient with myself and, you know, to remember that there are people who love me and support me and, and that to reach out to them. And I've, you know, that's been vital for me at times. Um, and this is really this part here. Remember that you can't change everything, but there are things that you can change. That has been very um, important for me to remember. Um, if, in fact, just the other day I came across a quote by Hemingway that was really this very concept, this very idea. Um, and it's also, I guess, the serenity prayer. It's, it's, it's not unique to me by any stretch. But remember that you can't change everything, but there are things that you can change. 
Remember that you need to work to change the things you can change and that you are able. So those two points have been enormous for me. Um, and I used to think that I used to think of, I used to think of the things that I could had control to change. I used to think of those in relation to whatever I was scared of. Like if I was concerned about, um, well, just for an example, if I was concerned about um, finances, for instance, I used to think, okay, well, I, what about finances do I have control over? And I've under, I understand now that it's even broader, than, at least for me, it's broader than that. Like, it's not what about finances do I have control over? It's what in my life do I have control over? I have the I have control over my body. If I get stressed about finances, I can get up and go walking. Like in the mornings, I, 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 I these I get gripped by these fears of the future. Oftentimes in the morning when I'm just waking up, my mind is unguarded and and I get these fears. What do I have control over in the mornings? I have control of getting out of bed, getting in the shower. Um, going outside and letting the sun shine on my face, drinking some water. There's a lot of things I have control over. And I find that when I do those things, that whatever fear I have dissipates. Uh, because ultimately, I know that I have the, the capacity, I have the ability to manage all of these things that are that are scaring me. And first of all, I guess first and foremost, though, in this very moment, when I wake up in the morning, that very moment, I am safe. There is no threat to me. Whatever, you know, my, my threat system is going off. Um, but not because there's an actual real threat to me. It's because there's something in the future that is that I'm worried about. But it's not now. And so I try to think, okay, it's in the future, but is there anything now that I can do that would mitigate that whatever I'm afraid of in the future, what can I, you know, what can I do? First of all, I can get up, I can walk around, but then with regard to that issue, is there something that I can do now that would mitigate whatever I'm afraid of coming? And usually there's something I can do. And I find that when I work, when I get up, walk around, or when I, I, I work towards it, uh, um, do these things that I have control over related to this fear. I find that that fear dissipates and goes away. Um, and so this, working on things that I can change that has been vital, vital to me. And it's, and again, I know this is not unique to me. I've, you know, I've been hearing this my whole life, but one thing I've, I've discovered is that I can hear something my whole life, but I don't understand it until I have real world experience with it. Um, there've been a lot of issues or a lot of points, things that I've understood about recovery intellectually up in my head. I've, 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 I've known it, but it wasn't until I had, uh, you know, I have these, I'll have moments where I will face it head on where it'll actually happen to me. And then that's when I really understand what is going on or I can understand how it applies. And then it really makes sense to me. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's, that's my start of the day. And that's been 
very helpful for me because, well, in, in the past I used to be, I, I didn't manage it well instead of, instead, and I still struggle with this at, at times, actually, to be honest with you. Um, sometimes I, you know, I, in the past what I would do is I would just find a distraction so that I so that fear would go away. I mean, it wouldn't go away. It would just be buried, covered up, kind of like a. Um, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be taken care of, and it was just sitting there waiting to raise its head again. And then it was going to be doubly bad the next time I rose its head. But so now I'm. I'm learning now that I need to take action. I need to take. Um. I need to work on those things. What can I do, first of all, to to move my body, to to do something, to show that I have control? And, and I I don't know the I don't know the uh, psychology or biology or physiology or whatever behind it, but it seems to me that getting up and moving and doing making these decisions and, and following through with them, whether they're directly related to the fear or not, it just seems to me that whatever I'm doing. I, my body is recognizing, my mind is recognizing, my psyche is recognizing that, hey, okay, he's, he's in control. He's in control. And that transfers over. So I don't know if that's a false understanding of what's happening, but that's what it feels like is happening. I guess I don't need to understand the, um, I don't even understand why it works that way, but I, I, that's how it feels. I just know that it does. And so that's what I work towards. Um, so what I have, you know, in this, in going back to the poem, this, this line, you were born with claws and they're with you still. That is um, a reference really to Nietzsche and thus spake Zarathustra. He says, and I'm going to paraphrase it here. I think he said, verily, Verily, I laugh at the weaklings who consider themselves good but have no claws. His point being that um, if you don't have claws, then you know you're. If you don't have claws, then or if maybe say it this way: if you don't have the ability to destroy something if that's not if you don't have that capacity or ability then there's no virtue in not destroying it so you're not good necessarily because you don't destroy something if you don't have claws but if you have claws and you have that ability and you restrain yourself and you don't do it then that's good that's virtue but so this this and the other issue here is um I buried my claws. We all have claws, I think. We all have claws. But I ignored mine, and I buried them because it was scary to me. It was scary to um, acknowledge or know that I could do things. I didn't. I was afraid to go out and risk, and so I just wouldn't risk. I just was. I, I, I was happy with what I got. I just, uh, you know. We, I got what I got or you get what you get. And you don't throw a fit. And that's kind of how I lived my life. And I, I often likened it to eating oatmeal without salt and sugar. There's no, I'm, uh, 
I think that's a, I mentioned in the first episode of this podcast. That's how I lived my life, and I was fine with it. I didn't try to get more. Um, I didn't try to add to it. When the reality is, is I, I can have much more than that, and then it's okay. And that whatever, and that these fears that I have, I can stand up to them. And these last few years has been this process of rediscovering my claws, not so that I can go out and tear things up, but knowing that I don't have to run and that I can face these problems that are coming at me, whatever they are, um, I can face them. I can stand up to them. And I still, it's still scary. I still struggle with it. And I probably struggle with it for, for a while. Maybe, maybe I'll always struggle. But what I do know now is that I have the claws and that I don't have to back down anymore. I don't have to run anymore. And that's, that's where I've been coming to in my life. Um, you know, I've talked about how I feel when I'm depressed or when I'm feeling low or when I'm, uh, when I'm feeling this, this little boy who wants to run. Cause that's really kind of where I'm, what I'm feeling is I'm going back to this little boy who wants to run and who's scared and wants to escape and doesn't want to face things. But the other side of that is really let me read let's see if I can find it here this is uh, so this was the the what I wrote down when I was trying to figure this out I said I'm trying to understand the difference between the time I'm feeling low and depressed and the times I feel empowered and positive wanting to understand like okay what what are the triggers what are the triggers for feeling depressed and what, what is it that helps me feel empowered and positive? And I've talked a little, I've already mentioned some of that, like, like I feel power and positive and empowered when I get up and I move and I, I move and, and, uh, um, live in, you know, be present in the now. Um, but here's also what I said. Uh, I f- this is how I feel. I feel like I have things under control. <clears throat> the future potentials don't give me anxiety. I feel in control. I don't. I- I'm excited about my possibilities. My joy in doing and accomplishing is heightened. I feel good about myself. I want to create. I want to do. I don't feel held back. I don't feel frozen. The p- the opinions of others don't sink me. I'm filled with confidence. feel more creative. I feel more empowered. I feel more patient, less triggered, less easily angered or afraid. I don't feel anxious. I'm not taken offline. In short, it's where I want to be. And so that, that is how I feel. That is, and I, and I feel that that is me. That is the, the, that is the authentic me. And that's where I want to be. And that's what I'm working towards. And this this poem, Terrible Potential, describes that. It describes that 
the, the recognizing in, in these last few years has been me, like I said, rediscovering my claws, rediscovering um, my power, rediscovering my potential, rediscovering um, my authenticity. And it's been clumsy to be sure. And it has not been easy and it has not been smooth. I've made mistakes. I've, uh, you know, we talk about acting authentically. Um, I'm still under, trying to understand what exactly that means. Uh, I do know that it doesn't mean that I do whatever the hell I want to do. That's not necessarily acting authentically. That's different. Um, But it's okay to be clumsy. It's okay to stumble. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to um, to do all that as I'm moving forward. And I know that in the process, people have been hurt. And I've tried to apologize when I'm aware of it. Um, I try to be very sensitive to that. Um I know I've made bad decisions occasionally in, in this process and and I'm learning to be okay with that because those bad decisions were made as I in an effort to move forward it wasn't it was made in a positive way I guess <laughs> somebody once told me that uh she came about her her dishonestly her dishonesty honestly and that resonates with me um, oftentimes I, I, you know, and I see this now in my life that as I'm trying to come into myself and, and learn who I am, I mean, it's, it's, it's learning, it's learning anything. You make mistakes and you fail and, and, you know, there's a million quotes out there about how failure is, you know, how you grow. And it's not a, a an original concept to me. I know that, um, but it's been, you know, this process of coming into me has been exciting. I'm, I feel better than I have in a long time. Uh, I'm able to, um, I'm able to manage though the moments when I get overwhelmed better. I still have moments where I get, feel like I get knocked out. Um, but I'm able to manage them better because I know the reality and I know what can be. You know, I wrote a poem recently. I was down in Moab, um, middle of July. And I remember I was, I was just looking over at the canyon. And uh, is at uh, Upheaval Dome, if any of you have been there. And I went over there to watch the sunset. And I was all alone. There was not a soul within sight. Um, all alone. The only sound was the desert breeze and my breathing. That's all there was. And I just remember looking out at the land, these canyons cut sharply into the, into the ground. I mean, you know, that's what I love about Canyon lands is, you know, it just along the white rim trail, you've got this flat 
earth and the flat, not the flat earth society, but the, the ground is flat. I'll say it that way. The ground is flat and then it just drops precipitously into this canyon. It looks like somebody just cut it out. It's just beautiful. And I watched the sunset and as I was driving back, it, it was dark. I was driving to my camp spot and this, this line just came into my head is um, this wounded land. And I stopped and pulled over and wrote that down, just this wounded land, because the land was wounded. It had been cut through and carved. And I thought, that's me. And that's all of us, really. There's nobody who's who gets through life unwounded. And so I wrote a poem, and the poem is, um, I've got a got to close my eyes when I say this so and, and think it says I call it Moab it says it reads this land wounded and scarred and full of shadows she turns his head to her to see and he sees her stillness and her beauty and he understands what can be the point of that poem for me is that the wounds and the scars and the shadows that we all carry, those can be beautiful. Those can lead to stillness if we work towards that. And that is where I'm at in my life. Acknowledging the wounds, acknowledging the scars, acknowledging the shadows, and trying to integrate them all into me because they are me. And trying to push them away or run from them anymore is not an option for me. And it's hard, and it's scary, and there's days that I don't want to do it anymore, and there's days that I feel like I can't do it anymore. <clears throat> But I know that I can, and I know that there are people out there who love me and, and will be there to help me. I, I have had people show up, friends and family have showed up for me in times when I didn't even ask. They just showed up in lots of ways. And some of you know who you are, and some of you don't know who you are, but you've showed up for me. And... I'm grateful for that more than I can ever say because I can do this, but I can't do it alone. I know that. Um, and I want to take these wounds and these scars and these shadows and bring them all into myself and acknowledge them and become a whole person. I don't want to cut any part of me off anymore to try to look good to other people, to try to fit into a mold that other people have for me. I don't want to view myself through the lens of society anymore. I don't want to view myself through the lens of anyone anymore. I want to know who I am, and I want to live in alignment with that. And that is my focus right now 
Thank you for listening. And if any of you have any thoughts or comments, uh, as always, I would love to hear them. You can email me at uh, poetdelayed at gmail.com. Or those of you who have my phone number, you can text me if you want. Or Instagram is at poetdelayed. And Facebook, I think, is just, I don't even know what my Facebook um, name is. Scott Edgar, but there's probably some numbers after that. I don't know. But anyway, any if any of you have anything that you'd like to share or anything that you uh, want to comment on, I'd love to hear it. Um, and I appreciate those of you who listen and those of you who, who share comments. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Until next time. May I be I is the only prayer, not may I be good or great or strong or beautiful.